dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. There's a lot of talk today in Catholic circles about virtuous leadership. This is a good thing. But do we know why virtue is important? Why does Catholic teaching emphasize virtue so much? And why should it be important to business leadership? In this second of a six-part series, I lead our participants through an examination of the importance of identity for leadership and the importance of virtue for identity. If we're going to admit that leadership comes from who we are, and virtues help define who we are, then we see the importance of virtues for leadership. Hey everybody, I'm so glad to be back with you again and have this chance to understand more deeply just how our faith ought to impact our leadership every day. I mean, we've been given positions of influence in our society, positions of influence in our churches, I mean, and different, and I don't mean like major positions necessarily, but wherever we're involved and wherever we're in charge of something or carrying the responsibility, we've been given the ability to impact that environment and to impact it for Christ. And if we take that, that challenge seriously, well, suddenly we ask, well, what, what does my faith have to do with that action? A lot of people even want to run away from it, saying that faith is about simple things, faith is about quiet things. And so if we have to do something, it can even put a strain on our relationship with God because all of our humanity comes back out again, right? It's like, I know that I'm really pious and holy when I'm in church, but when I've got a project to run and we're trying to do a fish fry at the same church and I'm in charge of that fish fry, it's like I go back to the, go back to my military days all of a sudden, right? And I start barking orders and nobody can bear me, right? And, and, and it's because, well, we've got to get a job done. And we have a vision of work that says, get things done, you know, instead of get things done in a Christian way, right? And that's a challenge because then people automatically say, well, you can't. I mean, getting things done. Christianity is about loving and acceptance and work is about reality. And in the end, you just got to get things done. And that's where I want to challenge you because I don't think it's an opposition where it's either one or the other. I actually think you can do both. And wouldn't it be neat if you got things done in a Christian way? <laughs> and if you lived as a Christian in such wise that it actually brought you to get things done, right? So I pray in order to act, and I act in order to pray. That would be such a healing for so many people. And, and, and I think it's, it's, it's akin to the healing between the, the integration of your work and your family. Because in this very similar way, a lot of us say, well, if I'm at family, then I'm, I'm relaxed and I'm myself and I'm loving and building relationships. And when I go to work, I've got to get things done, right? So therefore, I, I, if I like getting things done and relationships aren't really easy for me, well, I'm just going to be tempted to say that that's what the type of dad I am. That's the type of person I am. And that I'm just, I just have to work and provide for the family because home life is a whole different thing. 
and I can't seem to integrate the greatness that I have at that office where I'm commanding 150 people and inventing processes and troubleshooting problems. But for some reason, I just can't help my seven-year-old who's getting bullied in school. It's a different skill set. That's why we say to ourselves, right? And I'm there to get things done. And so people reward me for that. I get plaques for that. I go out to dinners for that. I get to travel for that. People think I'm really important because they hear my job. But in fact, the most important of things that I don't get recognized for, I'm, I'm not good at. And, and I'd like to say, well, the same drive that's pushing you in the workplace can push you in the family. And wouldn't it be wonderful if it did? But what, when, what you have to realize is instead of saying it's either or, it can actually be a both and. I have to learn a different skill set. I've got to stretch. But you know, you spend your lives stretching. I mean, you've become lawyers, right? You're, you're, you're lawyers, you're doctors, you're law enforcement professionals. You spend your life stretching. Why would you suddenly stop and say, I'm not going to stretch when it comes to reviving my marriage with my wife? Why is that somehow beyond the pale of what is possible? I don't think it is. As a matter of fact, I think that integrating your life comes from the moment that you can invest yourself in what you're doing. The integration of activities happens when they come from the same source and the same source is there. So if you could look at work as a practice for your home life, then you would recognize it's not that I have two lives, it's that I'm one person with two activities and I can take what I'm learning at work and the drive and the, 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 the grit and the creative energy and I can just apply it differently. I need, in other words, to work with a, more, a deeper vision of my input into it. In order to do, and when I do that, I can do an equal output. This is where virtues come in, right? The, the problem with our understanding of virtues is that we, it floats in our Catholic mind as a big should. Like it's a word we're used to hearing, but it's a little bit antiquated. We don't really talk about it in a normal Catholic conversation right? The virtue of prudence. I mean, it's a definitely a way to kill a party is to bring up as a topic of conversation what people think about the virtue of prudence, right? <laughs> people don't even know what the word means. You know, we, we know that it exists, but we don't really understand what it means today. And I mean, that's, that's not the end of the world, right? I mean, at least we have good parties. You know, we, we don't, we, we, we might not understand prudence, but darn it all, we have a good time, right? But like my, to my point though, is that like, this is not something we talk about every single day. And yet we know as Catholics that it's in our lexicon to talk about virtue. And it's not just Catholics, but Christians. I mean, this is what we all share in common, right? Is we understand because in theology, we learn about the infused virtues and we know that other virtues are acquired. We know people like Socrates and Plato talked about virtues and, and we've heard a lot about them as we've read our various spiritual books, but we might not have really understood why they're important, all right? And so I want to show you why they're important because then we're going to go through the virtue of temperance, fortitude, justice, and prudence in the heart of a leader and show why that's so important and especially for your businesses. But before we can do each one of those four, I want us to have this chance to say, the virtues are important because they make you a better person. And if you are a better person, then the work that you do and the, the home life that you lead 
and your presence in the community will all be transformed. I can transform the impact that I have in the world when I transform myself, right? And so, yeah, then of course, there's all kinds of ideas. There's new things I can do. There's wonderful, you know, things that can take place and projects to, to endeavor and all that's a very important thing. But I, and, I, and it's not an either or mentality, but there is a beginning point. Meaning if I could lay hold of myself and really hone in to be a free person, free in what I do, decided in my activities, responsible for who I am, knowing my name and bringing my name and my identity and my, the rich treasures of my intellect and my will right into the heart of work. Well, if, if, if I really laid hold of that, my work would be transformed. And the same way, my family life wouldn't be a separate world because I'm in it. If I see what I do as flowing from who I am, then, or if you want to make a little rhyme there, you could say, if I see what I do as coming from my who, right? From what I do comes from who I am. Then the more that I work on myself and make myself a better person, the more impactful anything that I do will be. This is the importance of virtue. This is why we've got to learn it. Does your family matter? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a family mission infographic that will help you focus on your family. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So all of us have the same call. We all have spheres of influence, things, places, responsibilities that God has given to us, right? Some of us are, are CEOs of major corporations. Other people are solopreneurs. Other people are started their own businesses, right? And yet all of us are tasked with this burden. I need to make this thing successful, right? So, and, and, and the more that I carry that sense of responsibility, probably the higher that I'm going to rise in the company just over the, over the, 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 the sense of time, because that sense of ownership and responsibility for your work makes you more effective in the workplace. And that's of course a wonderful thing. But as we say, what's going to bring us, what's the most single, most important factor to us achieving what we need to do. And we're all going to say it's our people or it's our technology or it's the economy. And I'd say, oh, that's very true. And you know, you could definitely say that those are first and different things, but I kind of think it's actually you. Meaning if you're a leader and if you're the leader, I think that you have the greatest impact on determining the success of your endeavor. I don't mean because you're the most skilled or because you're the best one at it, but it, that sense of ownership that says, I'm going to engage in this will will start and ignite the sense of ownership in the people who are underneath you. And that leadership that starts from the front, it starts from the inside. It's something that is very deep in who we are. Like you really have to care about your work in order to, to show the value that it has. If we're, if we're too divested from what we do, well then we're kind of like not like God because God creates the world and then he says, it is good. And he takes delight in his world. And, and you're not like St. Joseph or our Lord who worked and were proud of the title that they had of being you know, a carpenter, a man of, tr of their trade. 
God wants you to love what you do. And he wants you to love what you do because you should be. It's something that comes from you. Work is something that all of us produce. It's almost the, the joy of the artist to sign their name on a painting, right? Or sometimes you can think to, you know, certain ways that, that people in the past would have taught us when we were little to always be proud of our name and to be able to put our name on anything that we did. So we didn't just sweep the room, right? We swept the room as if we were going to put our name on it. Because that sense of the ownership that comes from something that we do is a very profound and authentically human and good thing. Now, you can make it a trifle. You can overdo it, right? And act like the, what we do is somehow defines who we are in the deepest of senses. It doesn't in the deepest of senses, but it certainly does in a more shallow sense. It, it, but it certainly does, right? And it, having that sense of ownership makes me personally invested in the work which is going to guarantee its quality. Just look at when you look at brand names, for example, how powerful brand names are when they're the name of a family or the name of a person. If, I, if that person is going to sign off on that farm and on the milk that's coming from that farm, well, it's, it almost adds a luster or an attractiveness to the product. Well, I think it's now, would it be neat if you were going to say, I'm going to sign off on my life, meaning everything that I do I'm going to be proud of. It's going to come from me. My, my family culture and what's going on in that living room, that's something that I'm going to, I'm going to sign off on. Uh, just in the same way as what's going on there at the workplace, that's me. Uh, the, when someone has that sense, yes, they can, they can build up their pride, right? They can, they can, uh, it, you can go too far in things. You can be domineering. You know, an overly responsible person can be a control freak at the same time. You know, don't be a control freak. Um, but the excess isn't what I'm looking at. I'm really looking at the glory of the thing, of when someone's identity is linked to what they do. It's like a gold mine when you're doing an interview. If you get the sense that that person is really present in what they're doing, and that that presence is something that they, they want to sign off on. They're responsible for their work. You're going to have someone who's really worth keeping in many ways. Well, and that leads us to really our next point of trying to say, well, if that's the case and we really want our people to be invested in what they do, well, then it's obvious that who they are is going to have a big impact on what they do. So you can see there's really two conceptions of work. One where you are just being used by a business in order to do what they say for a certain a lot amount of time. And then voila, the product that comes out of your hands, you can't really be sure of. You're more or less proud of it, but not really because you really don't care. And your life is really, you know, somewhere lost on the beaches of South Carolina. Like that's really where I want to be. Well, okay, that's fine. You're just, you're missing out on the opportunity to really benefit from what you do with a third of your life, you know, and the, the product that you're going to be putting out, it's not going to always be your best, but that's fine. I'm not talking about that conception though of work. I have a different vision of it. One that says work is something that I put myself into and that I'm proud of doing. It's linked to me. It flows from me and it comes back to not only reflect on me, but it also shapes me, right? Now, in that perspective there, the me, who I am, was well, very important for the work that I'm, that I'm doing. If I have virtues, 
Meaning if I am a someone who has developed myself both for that work and for life, I'm going to take and put the, the me that's been developed into that work in a way that benefits the work. So I really should start asking myself the question, how do I really improve myself in such a way that everything that I do actually is benefited by who I am? If I bring who I am into what I do, then who I am matters. Well, how do I become a better human being? Ah, you stumbled upon it right there. <laughs> Congratulations. Welcome to the seminar. Welcome to the St. John Leadership Network. You become a better human being by acquiring virtues. The sense and nature of a virtue is that the virtue is the ability of a human being to be human wherever they are, right? To live out the depths of their nature, which is a, a spiritual mind and, and a loving heart, and to bring that to bear freely when you want in the various activities of your life. Wouldn't it be wonderful, in other words, if you were able to do what you know you really want to do on a regular basis with joy and finding pleasure by doing so? I mean, you'd be in control of your life, wouldn't you? I mean, most of us, unfortunately, we, we want to eat well. Here's a good example. We want to eat well. And so we say, I'm going to, this summer, I'm going to eat well. Then you go to these different, you know, buffet lines at family gatherings and at different graduation parties and events, and you have the sheet cake and you drink pop. And even though you were bound to eat well, you just, you just can't seem to actually do it. When the going gets tough, there's that, there's that little jello dish that has those little marshmallows floating in it. And you go for it every single time, right? And, and then afterwards, you regret it. You say, oh, I, I feel sick. I shouldn't have eaten that food. Well, why did you eat it then? Well, it's because in the end, it's because I lack the ability to say no. Or you meet people who are just constantly overwhelmed and always overwhelmed. Why are you overwhelmed? Well, it's because there's so much to do. And you say, well, I mean, the fact is, you're supposed to do what's so much, you know, there, there's always going to be so much to do. There's an infinity of things to do. Why don't you pick the ones that you feel like doing that are good for you to do? I just can't say no. But I want to say no, but I can't say no. Wasn't that odd? I mean, it, it's odd to not be able to be in control of your life when you fly off the, the, the you know, the handle in fits of anger when you can't find the ability to be you know, selfless and instead are selfish throughout your day, all those different things, that's all lack of virtue. See, virtue is the, gives you the capacity to let shine the light of your true identity in every circumstance of your life with pleasure almost all the time and with ease. And so that, and you could say, well, that just means being a good person. Well, it's more than just, it does mean being a good person, but it's more than just that. We've actually narrowed it down and figured out that it's a power or capacity that you need to acquire. That's almost like a habit or like a, a, a crease that you iron into a cloth to have the crease ironed into your soul that when, when, when difficult things take place, you rise up and meet them. And that you wouldn't have it any other way. That's the virtue of fortitude. Or that when trying moments come, you endure them. Oh, it's the virtue of patience. Congratulations. Right? So, and you can go through the whole list of virtues. But all of them represent the fact that you have become a better person 
because you've acquired the power to make the goodness that's inside of you present voluntarily on command in the circumstances of your life. And can you imagine what that could look like when it's about the leadership that you have at work? Would you like your business to become a virtuous workplace? Would you like Father Nathan to come to an event in your town? Visit www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash our-events and join for free today. You know, it always makes me kind of smile when I think about being a virtuous leader in the workplace because a lot of us, we could have the question, well, I don't understand this. I don't understand why this word virtue has to take place. You know, it, the world is about getting things done. And I just kind of smile and I'm like, well, I guess, I guess it's because you aren't managed by you. <laughs> but if you were under your own management, you would tell, be telling me, boy, I wish that Susie Q would go to that seminar at the Leadership Network and learn about virtue. Because there's nothing more pleasant than being managed by someone who's virtuous. There's the, and, and it's actually what's going to make you a great leader. I'll, I would warrant you, if you were to put down for me the list of all of the great people that you know, and you were to say why you admire them and what makes them great in your eyes, it's not going to be they were the fastest typer that you ever saw, you know, or this person's spreadsheets were just amazing. Like, that's not, what's, that's not what's going to make someone impactful in your life. It's going to be instead who they were. You're going to talk about their kindness. You're going to talk about how they encouraged you. You're going to talk about how they always made time for you, right? Well, those are, those are acts that are acts that come from beautiful souls and not just brilliant minds. Well, a beautiful soul, that's the fruit of virtue, right? So when we talk about virtue, what we're saying is that it's a, it's a disposition that someone has to greatness. It's like a, an inclination in their soul to doing what needs to be done well, with ease and with pleasure every time, or at least almost every time, right? You can still make mistakes in your life, but the virtue is that when you're with someone, for example, who has the virtue of understanding, I mean, it's an amazing virtue to, to have understanding. It means that your mind goes to the root of things and speaks about what's happening from its root causes, right? So if they have understanding, they're going to be an amazing conversationalist and also a, a, a thinker that advances a conversation forward. Well, it's always pleasant to be with thinkers who advance a conversation forward right? Who bring their mind into, into a conversation. It elevates the entire thing. The questions become more interesting. The conversation flows better, right? Well, that's the virtue of understanding. Well, there's also a virtue called prudence. And that's an amazing one. It's actually kind of the queen of all virtues. It's, and we're going to talk about it here in, when, we, when we go through the virtue of prudence and business leadership. But what prudence enables you to do is to know what means to take to a given end, depending on whatever circumstances you find yourself in. So a prudent person will find the right way to achieving the best of all desirable ends in any circumstances. So they'll know how to navigate a conversation. They'll know how to hire the right person. They'll know when, when to sell their stocks, right? And when not to sell their stocks. 
They'll, they'll know, you know how to invest their money. They'll know how to use a lawyer. A prudent person is someone whose mind is wise in practical affairs. They, 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 they order their activity well. And it's, it'd be incredible. Would you imagine? I mean, if you had prudence, you'd be a millionaire. <laughs> Many times over. And if you were, were prudent, you'd also be a great dad. Prudence is at the heart of, of so much. So that's because virtues are. So virtue matters a lot because when it, it makes the lives of everyone around you better and easier. When you are virtuous, the love that you have in your heart, the care for other human beings finds a sure pathway to effective communication. I'm not just, in other words, someone who's walking around saying, I've got a good heart, but I lie. And I've got a good heart, but I, I backstab people. I've got a good heart, but I, I'm judgmental. There's no more buts when you have the virtue. That's what's so great. Instead, it's just, I have a good heart, and how can I help you? And, and that means that I've had to overcome all kinds of baggage inside, Sure. My inclination to be selfish, my inclination to be angry. Yep, I've had to overcome it because I've acquired that habitual state by doing what was right and doing what was loving in each circumstance that came my way. I practice virtue. Just like I have to, to iron the crease into my pants, well, so I have to iron that crease of being temperate into my daily activities. So it's by acting as if you had virtue that you acquire it. That was actually St. John Berkman's who gave that quote. They say, he said, the easiest way to acquire a virtue is to act as if you already had it. But the thing is you say, well, that's so hard because I'm impatient and I, I know it takes a long time. <laughs> but if you continually act as if you already had that virtue, that's the surest way for you to acquire it. So if you want to be patient, be patient, and then you'll be patient. <laughs> See, and it, it sounds simplistic, but it's a, it's a matter of saying that, that if I can live with the authenticity of the truth and knowing that what I want to be and who I am needs to be reflected in my daily activities, then I will become what I do and become how I live. And when you're virtuous, well, that's to the benefit of your family, your employees, and everyone around you. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.